look at this shit. Look at us. <laughs> look at us. Who would have thought? You're, you're in Atlanta? Yeah, man. I'm out here uh, doing NBA Twitter live tonight with Taylor Rooks and Adam Lefko for the uh, Nets-Cavs game. Are you going to be at the uh, Hawks-Charlotte game, too? No, nah, they just uh, they got me out here today, and I got to get back to, out to L.A. Uh, tomorrow. So a we're doing it from the trip. A one-day trip across the coast, huh? You already know. Get the frequent flyer miles cracking. <laughs> well, man, thank you for uh, for hopping in here. I really appreciate it. This is going to be fun. I appreciate you. I'm, hold on. Let me uh, retweet whatever you're putting out on Twitter. Let me get this shit ready to go. I, yeah, I like what the good Jawan Howard tees, too. <laughs> thank you, man. I uh, we, we had a good tease with the Zion stuff when we debuted a week or so ago. And then trying to, uh, you know, trying to draw people through. We we got to we got to get the people what they want. You already know. Let's get it. Um, we should have them rolling through here. Um, let's see. Uh, let me tweet out too. We are live now. You got twelve people in the chat. Okay. We got twelve people. We're looking for we're looking for more. We're looking for more. But, uh, Filter again. Welcome, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. We will be taking calls at some point. So if you guys want to come in through the queue, please uh, please call in, and you'll be able to speak to, to both of us here. But, first, you know, to get things started, Josiah, you're obviously L.A.-based Laker guy. It's been, it's been a tough year over there. Now that we've kind of come through the other side, like, how are you feeling – as the uh, the postmortem has kind of started to begin over there, uh, I mean, look, I think we had, uh, you know, we were all kind of delusional and still held out hope and still believed that the squad, you know, would we, sneak into these playoffs and be able to do something. But I don't know. This is probably one of the, the craziest. You know, I'm a big LeBron guy. It's probably one of the craziest seasons I've seen, and, and that's saying a lot uh, in, in LeBron fandom. But I don't know what's going on, man. It seems like it's a lot of internal stuff with the front office, kind of a lot of bickering and back and forth, and. You know, even for LeBron, you know, you know, after he hurt his ankle and then still came back, I want to say dropped like 39 or whatever it was. But uh, for him to not be playing in, in games that obviously could have could have helped put the team into the playing game, obviously it was a serious injury. But, you know, the stuff with Vogel and obviously Woj uh, leaking that Vogel was getting fired before he was fired, I thought was, you know, I'm a fan of Woj and I respect everything he does. But that was just, uh, you know, a poor taste. And, it's uh, you know, you're talking about people's livelihoods and, and people's families here. And for Vogue, we have to find out like that. You know, I, I just, I don't, and I don't know if it was a leak internally coming from the, the team, but it was just a lot of stuff that's been going on, man. So obviously, happy to get this season over with. Uh, was sad to see LeBron waste his 19th year. Obviously, he averaged 30 points and all that stuff. That's great. But I think the whole time, you know, even before the season started, I've been saying that I, I was optimistic and hopeful he doesn't play like 50 games this year. Kind of really let AD shoulder the burden of the season. Obviously, that wasn't the case after AD went down, uh, you know, with, with his own injury, but. I don't know, man. It's over now. We kind of gotten the jokes out. We've used humor as a coping mechanism just to, <laughs> to deal with the reality that, uh, you know, it's probably one of the saddest situations I think we've seen in, in Laker and LeBron fandom. But hopefully this squad can come back, figure it out. Hopefully, you know, if Russ does opt in, they can either figure out a way to work it out or get him to, to another destination where he can really let his skill set fly. But it's just crazy to see all these reports and stories now going on. And it's hard, too, because we live in this kind of ball sack sports world we don't know what's real or what's fake anymore. So, you know, I've got to do the due diligence and 
check out as many articles as possible, but, you know, conflicting reports. And as obviously, as you know, working in the game and in the industry, it's hard. You know, like, Woj isn't really plugged into the Lakers, so everything he's given is coming from the other side. But obviously, they've got beef in him and LeBron's camp, so anytime he can stick it to them, he's going to do it. Anytime they can stick it to him, they're going to do it. So it's, uh, it's, it's a tough situation, but obviously getting ready to enjoy Cancun, really get these pina coladas <laughs> and Mai Tais and margaritas going. And for me, I'm going to still watch the playoffs. I'm a big basketball fan, but I think the league, you know, it's tough when you don't have the Knicks, you don't have the Lakers, obviously those big, you know, big, big uh, fan markets, not emotionally invested in it. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, the league's definitely disappointed they're not in the play-in, right? Like, when they created that structure, there's no way they thought they were going to get Braun versus Steph Curry in their first year. And then, ideally, I think from an NBA standpoint, like, they probably were hoping the Lakers were going to be a legitimate playoff team altogether. But to lose out on LeBron and AD in primetime elimination, do or die, that's a big loss, too. I mean, as, as fun as it is to make all the jokes and – I mean, it is wild they're not in the playoffs. Like, it's wild they fell that far. Like, I remember early March when it started to seem like a possibility. I mean, it, I kind of laughed it off as just kind of a, a Lakers shot and fruit type thing, but it, it actually happened. Yeah. it's. I mean, you can't, you know, as, as a LeBron fan, you've seen these kind of moments, and, you know, even he had some comments earlier on the season that they could be like, you know, the Tom Brady Bucks that Super Bowl year and maybe start a little slow and, and get together. But they just kept not getting it together, you know, tricking off games of the Thunder, the Rockets, just things you can't do, blowing 25-point leads to the Pelicans and games that, you know, were proven to be must-win games. And you just go back and look at kind of just some of the missteps this season and some of those easy games they dropped where they easily could have padded that record and been comfortably in, you know, seventh, eighth seed to now, you know, be on the outside looking in and obviously, you know, their final game of the season having no bearing on, on the posting or anything like that. It's just a, It's just a rough spot to be in. And, uh, you know, it's kind of reminiscent. It's tough. It's like a, of Kobe's kind of last two years where I think the squad was like 17 and 65. And, you know, just nowhere near, obviously, the roster that, that Kobe had. But to, to see this team kind of fall that way, and obviously, especially with LeBron, just following him his whole career, it's like, all right, he's going to snap out of this thing and really kind of just be able to lift from the grace. But now he's he's old. You know I mean? He's, he's, he's 37 years old. I think bringing AD in, that was the point. AD was going to take this team over. You know, LeBron's going to get his last finals MVP in the bubble and kind of pass it on now to AD and let him be kind of the face of the squad. But that's obviously you, you can't do that with AD playing a limited amount of time he's played. And, you know, there's been all types of talks about trade this guy, trade that guy. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be some stuff. I think internally the Lakers got to figure out their front office, uh, you know, who's in charge. It's funny to me, too, as you know, like, you know, this team was trash this year and LeBron gets, you know, all the blame for it. But it's all right, well, if we're going to play that game, does he get the credit for, you know, the championships he wins or is it just when, when the team is bad? And, you know, we, we uh, I do a show with Gilbert Arenas, and we talked to DeMar DeRozan uh, early, I think, uh, summertime before the season even started. And and he was like, you know, I thought it was coming to the Lakers. You know, I thought it was, you know, pretty much a done deal. And then to find out that that didn't happen and kind of whatever the factors were in place. And I'm sure Lakers fans, when we think about just what that big three would have looked like with LeBron, AD, and DeMar, you know, and granted, DeMar was coming off of, you know, some seasons where, you know, people didn't really know if he still could play at the level that he's playing at now. But the dude's been out there getting it. So it is what it is. They got to figure it out for next season and, and get this stuff back in the right direction. Well, here's the thing about DeMar. Like, obviously, DeMar had interest in going to the Lakers. And obviously, the Lakers had interest in DeMar. But and the deal DeMar ended up getting from Chicago was three years, 85, something like that, right? And dating back to 
last year's trade deadline, the 2021 trade deadline, where the Lakers were kind of flirting with the, uh, or putting in Taylor Horton Tucker. Are we going to go get Kyle Lowry? People were getting ready for the Kyle Lowry trade. The Raptors were, they traded someone, I remember, to Utah to create roster space, to take on multiple guys, to match Kyle Lowry, Sarah. Like, it was happening, and then it didn't. From that to the Mars situation, from what, what I've been told time and again by people in and around the Lakers is that they did not want to take on someone who was going to be having guaranteed three-year, you know, max-type salary that would have hard cap them and limited their flexibility. So the deal that DeMar got from Chicago, he was not getting with the Lakers. I mean, I remember even hearing that Lakers people were trying to convince DeMar to take the minimum or like that Kendrick Nunn deal to try to come be – uh, supporting cast type of guy, which like obviously he had no interest in doing. I mean, the man would have sacrificed seventy two million dollars or something like that to do to do a deal like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, but like it, that, that you you could also point the finger back at the Lakers for saying, well, why not? Like if Kyle Lowry would have been a pretty good fit based off of you know even he, he's not playing his. Um, his peak basketball in Miami, let's say, but in terms of the type of piece, like the Lakers have been trying to find a way, and this is the the biggest portion of the calculus from my understanding of getting Russ. They've been trying to find a way to move LeBron off the ball into more of a front court position for, I mean, since the second LeBron got there, LeBron's been trying to do that dating back to Cleveland. I remember I was doing a story back when I was at Sports Illustrated. Um, I was at the Garden here in New York, courtside. I'm basically like sitting on the Knicks bench while the Cavs were doing a, a morning shoot around. I was doing this. That was that 17-18 team, LeBron's last year, where IT was there and Jay Crowder was there and Derek yeah. Rose is on that team and Kyle Corver was on that team. Like all these former players that LeBron had played against in – in the, or, or former rivals that he played against in the East. And I was kind of doing a story about what's it like to shift from being a foe to a friend. And I was sitting with Channing Fry, like 10, 15 feet away from LeBron doing his like post shoot around work with some assistant coach talking about, you know, what's it like to get like passes from LeBron now? You know, everyone always talks about, he just fires like a crisp thing right into your shooting pocket. You don't have to think, just bang, catch, you're good. And LeBron's kind of, hearing our conversation and yells over to me, like knowing my recorders on while it's in training Fry's face, he's yelling, I wasn't supposed to be a point guard this year. Again, this is like right after the Kyrie trade happened and I, yeah. and I he got hurt and they had Derek and he wasn't playing. He's like, I wasn't supposed to be a point guard this year. We were working in the post all summer. I was doing hook shots and this and that, blah, blah, blah. Like he's been trying to get off ball for almost five years now, but he just can't get on a team that has a better option than him at point guard. It's pretty wild. I mean, I mean, look, you're talking about one of the, the greatest point guards in the history of the game. And it's funny, man, like, you know, five, ten years ago, I was telling people LeBron's a point. We're like, no, he's a point forward. It's like, no, nah, bro, pull up the textbook definition of what a point guard is. He's initiating the offense. It's going through him. It's not, you know, my dad played point forward. He played point forward because, you know, their point guard at the point at that time got hurt. Don Nelson came to him like, yo, Marcus, we want you to initiate the ball. And that's kind of how that whole thing started. Like, this is LeBron's position. He's been playing it for a while. You know, even go back to his high school days. Obviously, you know, he had a Drew Joyce on the squad and guys that kind of filled that position. But at the end of the day, he was playmaker, magic type. And it was always more of a magic, you know, than, than a, a point forward type of situation. 
And you, you'd hope that, obviously, that wear and tear and that tread, you just look at LeBron, the amount of minutes he's played, playoff minutes, regular season minutes at such a high level, and he gets knocked all the time, kind of, you know, people still taking shots at him. But I think what he's doing is, is tremendous. And we've seen guys, you know, once they get to year 18, 19, 20, the decline that they have. And like I said, I, I think he was optimistic, hopeful. I'm sure he keyed in on Russ as a person to be able to help do that. Obviously, Russ, you know, plays a certain style of basketball, plays his way. And, you know, Lakers fans, I think, were, were extremely tough on Russ this year. And didn't have – he had some some some, some negative spots, obviously, in, in the season. I think it kind of started at, like, 15 turnovers in the first two preseason games. That was kind of what, what got the ball rolling. And the thing about Lakers Nation, obviously, in, in my experience being here as a LeBron fan, like, they're going to be tough on you, but they're also praising you. You know, they're going to be tough on guys like KCP, Danny Green. You know, we've seen seen it go up and down the list. But when these guys produce and perform, Kuz, another guy who got their wrath, but when you play it at a high level and produce, obviously they're going to lodge you and praise you and, you know, extol you the same. This is, this is a fan base that literally almost got Alex Caruso into the all-star game. You know what I mean? As it started <laughs> kind of as a joke, but then it was like, wait a minute, you know, and I'm on the league. I'm like, wait, he, he's climbing up these poles and we got, I know he got way more votes than, than what they admitted to because, you know, we were using all types of chicanery <laughs> with the hashtag and all the BS that they, they put out to get him up to that spot. But when you look at LeBron and just where he's at now, not going into year 20, it was kind of my vision and dream for LeBron around year 18, you know, on through the rest of his career, he'd, he'd, he'd be more of a traditional power forward role and kind of play that, still be able to distribute, you know, be like a C-Web type, obviously with the Rock, be able to the diamond dish and kind of run everything through him still. But again, more posts up. And we've, you know, we've seen LeBron kind of lose a little bit of that beastliness. You know, back in the day, he used to be able just to barrel down, get to the cup. Now he's going chest to chest with guys and losing some of those battles, which is crazy for me to see as a LeBron fan. But you know, I'm optimistic and hopeful that this squad will figure out it is the Lakers. The Lakers, I would say they need one of those those janky, you know, CP3 deals if it would have went through or, or the, the, the Pau Gasol deal, things like that. They just need one of those good, you know, deals that pisses off the rest of the league. But it's hard to find <laughs> out now a suitor to make that happen. Obviously, you know, LeBron and the Lakers is a, a crazy combo and people aren't really rocking with either one of them. So now I feel like they're, they're taking it out on them for all of his years of dominance. The same thing with the Lake show. I mean, there are literally dozens of people around the league that I've spoken to over the last two, three months who are just reveling in the Lakers' misfortune. Like, Yeah, for sure. I mean, Warriors people, I think, most particularly, being that you know classic LeBron, Steph, Golden State battle that's been going on for you know almost a decade now. But, I mean, other teams in the West primarily, I mean – Knicks people are kind of unhappy that the Lakers have taken the, the spotlight off of them for being the, the glamour banner franchise that is uh, being clowned on Twitter and everywhere else, um, which is, I mean, an interesting transition into, like, the, to find a situation, a solution to the Russ dynamic. I don't know. I mean, anyone I've talked to in and around the Lakers have said, like, there's no way this guy's coming back next year. but it's going to be difficult to find. I mean, I'm, I'm writing about this for tomorrow. I believe report Mark Stein first um, reported the Gordon Hayward um, trade structure. That's definitely been kind of making its rounds around the league as some type of, you know, it would, it would give the Hornets some long-term salary flexibility. Um, it would, you know, Hayward and you need one more contract like Mason Plumlee, um, or Kelly Oubre and another small deal to match Russ's salary. Kind of the reverse of the trade deal that um, 
brought rust like a three for one type of type of you know structure where a pick is going back out though with rust going out the door i mean i don't know if that's really on the table for both the hornets i mean is the solution to this you know dilapidated team in, in LA adding another injury prone player like Gordon Hayward to LeBron and AD. <laughs> I don't really know about that. I mean, the Rockets, I don't think that's a real scenario either. I, I, I mean, if I had to bet my money on what happens with John Wall, I think he would most likely be a buyout guy come free agency. Like the Pacers and this buddy healed Malcolm Brogdon structure might honestly be the most realistic outcome for Russ. And that would even be a buyout situation, I, I would assume, being that the Pacers are in the more of a, a rebuilding structure. So, I mean, I like the are the Pacers doing that deal without assurances that Russ is going to take a buyout, which would, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd leave a lot of money on the table there. So yeah. I don't know how simple it is just to snap your fingers and say they're going to find a Russ trade. Like all, all things are possible in life and in, in basketball, but you know, a, after this situation this year, even with the with the John Wall and the, the Rockets won the draft pick, it's kind of a similar situation, which ended up working out for the Sixers. But Ben Simmons is like, well, look, everybody knows you want to trade him, you've diminished his value, so we're just gonna wait it out. And you know, obviously, Maury got what he wanted, bringing James Harden in, and kind of you know had to give up a little more than I probably would have to do it. But I just don't see a world like you mentioned. Like people don't like the Lakers, so. You know, I mean, and people aren't, you know, LeBron wants to kind of go out with this, you know, this championship tour and go out on top. And, uh, you know, people don't want to make that happen. So people, like you said, they're, they're really celebrating right now. It's crazy to me when I see fan bases that are happier that LeBron's losing than they are that their team's winning or will will say things like the, the bubble ring was a fraud. And it's like, if it was a fraud, how come your team didn't win it if it was so easy? And, you know, <laughs> they just make these arguments like, oh, you know, LeBron, the Lakers are the only team that benefited from that four months off, like, as if no other team had injuries or situations and could benefit from it. And it's it just, the game is the game. It, it's tough at this point. We're going to hold the L. I think, you know, me personally, I'm an equal opportunity clown. Everybody knows I get the memes off. And it's been tough to get these Lakers memes off, but the game is the game. And, you know, I think people <laughs> expect that from me. So I also know that, you know, we ain't going to be the only ones chilling in Cancun now. So everybody can talk that stuff now and, and, and get their jokes in. But their teams will be joining us very soon if they're not already there already. You know what I'm saying? Nick, it's crazy to see Nick's Twitter. Like, Nick's Twitter taking shots at Lakers Twitter when both of us are, are trash right now is pretty pretty phenomenal. But that's just, you know, Twitter in a nutshell. Everybody is irrational, and uh, there's no reason or, or ration, rationale behind it. That is fair. That is fair. That is why the name of the show. I log off. I seem to go on Twitter and see someone taking my words and misconstruing them and sending Twitter somewhere that it never was meant to go. It's a it's a pretty gnarly world, but I mean along those lines, we've got we've got a ton of coaching names out there, and a lot of them don't make a lot of sense. Some of them do at all. We'll <laughs> we'll go through a breakdown, but is there? As a as a self-identifying Lakers LeBron fan, is there a name out there that you're pining for the most? No, nah, I mean, look, I think all the names kind of mentioned is just like uh, nobody's bringing any excitement. I think one name potentially is Phil, but we got you no know, Phil got the janky back and he's tired. And he's not really trying to to coach like that anymore. I don't I don't really know what the answer is. That's a uh, you know, I think you know looking back on it. Ty Lue would have probably been the answer if the uh, Lakers would have ponied up the bread 
you know, and got him that extra year he wanted. But it's not, you know, Doc Rivers. Love Doc, but just, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to replicate the magic that he had with that Celtic squad back in the day. And, you know, has shown a penchant for not being able to get it done in the postseason. It's a little, that's a little tough choice. Obviously, he has a championship on his belt, but yeah, I don't really know, man. Uh, you know, I think what Kurt Rambis' name was floated out there, which, you know, if that <laughs> happens, then shit, you know, get, get ready for another losing season. Even that, that stuff was going on internally with the front office and all that stuff. It just seems like there needs to be some tough conversations. Uh, some people need to be told to kick rocks and, you know, they can't really be hanging out and going, you know, going through it. It's basically my thing is like, if you weren't a championship level coach, you can't be really giving coaching advice. So, you know, you got to let Palenka cook, got to let that side cook. I don't know though, man. I think, you know, Quinn Snyder would be intriguing. I know that's probably far-fetched. Uh, Nick Nurse, obviously that that's a great name too, but I just don't know the bag it would take for him to dip and come do that. And also how effective he would be in kind of turning this, this franchise around. Look, at the end of the day, LeBron's a, a tough personality to deal with. So it's got to be a coach that kind of aligns with his vision. Or the Lakers just say, look, you know, we're going we're gonna to move in a different direction now with LeBron obviously going into year 20. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting situation, man. I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't want to say yay or nay. There's not really a name though when you hear him from that list where it's like, oh man, this is going to be the difference maker. So we'll just kind of ride it out and see, let the people who make more money than me uh, make those decisions and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I believe I was the first person to put out Doc's name and, you know, I, my understanding of, of the Doc dynamic, I mean, before we talked about this on previous episodes of the show, before the season even began, back when Ben Simmons was still a sixer and Doc's post game seven comments were being mentioned as one of the bigger reasons that Ben um, was dissatisfied in Philly. Now, people were already starting to wonder around the league and say to me directly that like Doc could be kind of scapegoated here, he could be let go. And Mike D'Antoni is just waiting in the wings. So naturally, when James Harden gets traded there at the deadline, I mean, the, the speculation around the NBA about a D'Antoni reunification with Harden and Darrell kind of reached full blast. And since then, we've seen, you know, Doc's comments and postgame press conferences kind of taken shots at James. He's become, you know, a little surly with local media at, you know, questions about, his rotation and especially with the backup five, like there seems to be a lot of momentum towards him, at least exiting stage left in Philly. Right. And he obviously spent a lot of time in LA being the Clippers coach. There's just talk around the league that that's a job that he wants. And I wonder if the doc Lakers smoke is more driven by that being a situation Doc wants than what the Lakers would want. That's my first thought there. <laughs> the Juwan Howard situation, I mean, the connections are obvious there too. He interviewed for the job back in 2019 that went to Frank Vogel. Um, obviously was an assistant with LeBron in Miami. Played with uh, uh, Rob Polinka at Michigan, or Rob Polinka played with him, we should probably say. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, clearly, you know, the situation with the punch and all that, I mean, it would be the, the Lakers job would be a nice, easy pivot out of that situation if he wanted to. But, you know, people around the situation say that, you know, he's, I mean, not just they say, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, totally apprised on the recruiting 
world, but apparently his kid or one of his kids are already committed to going there. Um, yeah, Jed, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I've been told that LeBron has had conversations with him about whether or not Bronny should take an official or an unofficial visit to Michigan. So, I mean, why would he necessarily be wanting to pull – uh, the coach that he would theoretically maybe want his son to play with and for for himself. And also, I mean, that's that was considered like a dream job for Jawan Howard when he took that job. And they've done – they've had some, some strong success there outside of that incident that we mentioned earlier. So I don't really think that's necessarily a legitimate outcome either, even if that's something the Lakers would want. Um, you got something? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I, I've seen Will Smith slap Chris Rock at the Oscars this year, so really anything about <laughs> Like, there's nothing that, you know I mean? When I look at my head, like, what, what's crazy things that could happen? I don't think Juwan, in my opinion, obviously would be a great fit, but he seems like he's a great dude. Obviously, him and LeBron, like you mentioned, have a great relationship. It's kind of tough for him leaving his alma mater in Michigan to kind of deal with the unknown. And frankly, if I'm Juwan, like, you know, I want to put myself in a position – you know, I need that, like, Bruce Arians plug. Like, I need, you know, I need to get put in a position where I got a squad that can really get to championship level. And for me to leave Michigan to come to Lakers right now, you know, that might only be a, a two-year gig or less. Like, so it wouldn't be something that I'd just be, be jumping at, of course, unless that bag looks right. And, yeah, I know I know his son's committed to play there, but, like, the, the great MJ said, F them kids. Like, that bag's right. I'm going to make a move. Yeah, and I think the reason why – to your point about the two-year thing, I think part of the reason why he'd be intriguing from the Lakers' perspective is he is a younger coach and early into his head coaching tenure where maybe he's both a guy who has NBA championship experience in Miami, former you know all-star, can have the respect and the ability to hold the stars accountable while also potentially being a guy who could transition into more of a, a post-LeBron tenure. Like That does make sense why they would – want to explore that yeah for sure no he's a he's a legend i'm saying juan juan you know the, the wave and for me i like weird things about coaches but you know anytime you have a coach that wears a wave cap like you do as lebron and juan like and the names <laughs> run it's a it, it'd be a good mix but like i say he doesn't want to probably walk into a situation he's, he's seen what it's like to be with lebron as a player and you know lebron like like most personalities of kobe mj all these type of guys even kareem i'm watching winning time don't know how factual it is but you know these guys. These guys, you know, are difficult. Cham- winning championships is difficult. Being on a you know a high level team like that, it's funny for outsiders' perspective that you know from a Hooper side, like stuff that outsiders think is a big deal, like being in locker rooms with guys cussing each other out and trying to fight each other and whatever. That's just a part of the game, and you know guys will generally rally behind that. You look at the Kobe and Shaq years. You're talking about two dudes who really didn't rock with each other, but that doesn't matter when you get on the court. It's about winning. It's about that competitive nature that the average human can't really wrap their head around. Because, you know, they, they would look at it as a toxic work environment when the reality is that's just that's just a part of the game. But, you know, Jawan, to me, it's just like that's a, a cool name and obviously has name visibility. But that's like nowhere near like a Ty Lue or someone like that who already has proven NBA experience. And that's asking him a lot now to come, like I said, take a team that, you know, was 11th seed in the West and try to improve them. But also, you know, the bar would be very low for him. You know, anything above that would be considered a success. So the bar is very low. Yes, it's, it's like when you're uh, when you're in the conga line at like a wedding, and all of a sudden they put it on the ground, and then people can do whatever dance move they want over the bar. <laughs> it's, it's that low. It's that low. 
That's a great visual. Thank you, man. What other what other weird stuff do you like about coaches? About coaches? Yeah, you said there's there's weird things you like about coaches. Oh well, you know, just a coach that has a good mouthpiece. You know, definitely, you know, always looking at what their boo looks like. If their boo is good looking, high level quality, they're a closer. They can really get <laughs> things done. Just things, you know. You know, I played for Steve Lavin at UCLA, you know, who just got the job over at USD. And uh, one thing about Lav is just you know, great hair, had the slick back. I'm, I'm encouraging him to bring it back. He really kind of turned his back on product a little bit, which is disappointing, but really needs the, the two globs and a nice little water mixture and really get that Pat Riley back going. But you knew when you were going places with Lav, he was confident, you know, he could get the job done. He was just a, you know, a high level recruiter, but made you excited about playing the game. And, you know, even a guy like Quinn Snyder, I, I'll tell this story. We played against uh, Quinn in the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16, I want to say in like 01 or 02 uh, in San Jose, really, you know, remember all these these type of things, but, uh, they had Kareem Rush on the squad, uh, Clarence Gilbert, Ricky Paul, and a bunch of dudes. And I remember looking at Quinn Snyder, like Kareem Rush passed up a shot. And, you know, Quinn Snyder would just threaten to take him out the game if he didn't shoot the ball. And it, it just as a player, you know, when you have a coach that really, you know, has that much faith and confidence, you just yelling, he's like, Kareem, if you don't shoot this ball, I'm going to take you out the game. It's like, damn, I wish, you know, I had a coach like that in my ear. You ain't got to tell me twice. I'm pulling. But just to see a guy like that who really encourages players and has been on that other side and hoops and, and knows that world and, and he wants to get the most out of guys but really just need you know especially for somebody in the Lakers situation coming to LA coming to Hollywood it, everything gets magnified right you know you're playing in this market no matter what you do things are going to be intense it's game to game every single game is the biggest deal in the world for fans so you know you have to have that mental fortitude to be able to deal with it I think you know Frank Vogel got broken at some point this season you can see it in his face in the wear and tear and Frank's a good coach, and everybody I talk to definitely, you know, speaks very highly of him and his abilities. But we just weren't seeing it this year with some of the rotations, some of the decisions that were made. And you never know, obviously, where it's coming from. And, and, and you know, we've heard different mixed stories about him being pressured to play certain players and do certain things. And it's just a, it's a tough world to be able to navigate. So you really need a guy who can come in and just lay the smack down and really like this. This is what I'm doing, and, and you know, somebody who has the respect of the locker room. And Doc may be that guy. You know, Doc has superior lineups, and, you know, definitely his barber deserves a, a medal of honor. But just, <laughs> I just don't see him, see him, you know, see him dipping. But you, to your point, if they do the D'Antoni thing or kind of push him out, the Sixers don't perform this postseason, you know, there's a world where he might want to get back out to L.A. I don't know if he still has his crib out here, but it was super baller, you know, in West Hollywood overlooking L.A. So I'm sure he wants to get back out there. I've been told he does have that crib. I've been told he wants to go back to the Beverly Hills Country Club, and he's got all the restaurant managers and maitre d's and speed dial. He's pretty plugged out there, as he should yeah, be. Yeah, you know. He's Nobu. You know, he's getting the Nobu table. I'm sure he's got the Soho House Malibu plug. He's, it's a, you know, and no knock to Philly, great city, but come, you know, December, <laughs> January, when we get those 85, 90 degree heat waves out here, they're not getting that type of love. You know what I'm saying? I'm cool on the snow and all that. Like, after Cleveland this year, I don't need to see, after Cleveland this year, I don't need to see no snow ever again. Cleveland was frigid. That was, uh, I mean, I will say, I went into that weekend expecting Cleveland to be like, uh, I mean, I've never, I've never been there before. And I was, I mean, all, all the hype about how awful Cleveland is, I think it's a little overstated. Got a nice little downtown, got a little theater district, got some con- all the concerts that were coming in were pretty legit. Had some good restaurants down there. 
I want to give Cleveland like a little bit of love, but it was so fucking cold and the wind's whipping through while you're trying to walk to that stadium and the ice and everything. Man, I don't want to go back to all. All-Star should, should be below the Southern Hemisphere or whatever the whatever the line is. I'm not a geography guy or a <laughs> weather expert. Whatever the line is across the country where it doesn't get to, like, like the D.C., Virginia across to like the, no- the Northern California line should be below there. I, I mean, no, just, no NorCal, yeah, definitely stay out of the bay. You need, you know, you need to like they need to embrace like kind of what the NFL does, like put it in cities yes. that people actually want to rock with, like put it in places people want to go. Like you can just make it all time at SoFi in LA now. Let us have it for like the next five years, and then you know if you want to go somewhere cold, go New York, go somewhere that's turned up, like where people can really get it in and enjoy it. No, not to Cleveland, nice people. But, the, you know, you know damn well that city was not. And it's tough because you know the All-Star game's coming. But, like, Ubers were, like, 45 minutes to an hour. Like, if you could get one. Like, trying to move around the city in 12-degree weather was tough. And it got to the point where we just, like, found, like, these dudes who were doing, like, just makeshift pickups. Yeah. Because the Ubers were taking too long. And it's like, yo, jump in the ride. Where are you going? All right, give me 20 bucks. And that's kind of how it was moving. And, like I said, it's a, it's a nice city. But, uh, yeah, no, not, not for All-Star weekending. I was going to say, there was one time I was walking out of the hotel trying to get to the, the all-star shoot-around uh, practice, whatever they call it, on Saturday. And I was waiting for the Uber, waiting for the Uber. And it wasn't coming. It wasn't even moving on the little map on my phone. And this dude in a Ford Explorer, and I was literally parked on the sidewalk. I thought he was at the hotel. Like, this guy did everything he had to do to scam me and hustle me into thinking he was legit. <laughs> And he had even like a little tablet with the whole like this is what it's gonna cost blah 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 blah. And I was expensing. I was like, I don't really care what it costs as long as you get me where I gotta go. It's a very very nice uh, fortunate standpoint to be in. I understand. That's just the facts. And uh, this guy drove on the sidewalk. He knew what to do. Like there were a couple corners where there was nobody there, and he was like, "Cops are never on the street. I'm taking this right." I was like, "Okay." And this guy, one hand palm in the wheel, up on the sidewalk, cutting corners. It was one of the most epic hookups I've had in terms of an illegal hustler ride. It was pretty impressive. And shout out to Cleveland, the great, the great city of, of, of hustlers and people thriving and getting. Whenever I come into any community, I always like to support, support the, the local residents and really kind of get Stop those it. bags out. So I had no problem doing it, but we definitely had a guy who was like, you know, we had to get to the airport, I think, at like 5 a.m. And he had dropped us off at like 2. And he's like, yeah, I got you. I'll, I'll pick y'all up. And then we hit him. And he had a bunch. He had, he had found, I think, a couple other rides. So he was he was kind of BSing. So had to go back to the traditional Uber route. But thankfully, made it out of there and got back home after the night out. He was like, "I'll, I'll swing back in a few." That's what he said. You, yeah, you already <laughs> know. He was, he was like, oh, man, "I gotta do one more pickup, then I'll come get y'all." And it's like, "All right, bro." Yeah, I know what that well, means. Fire up the Uber. <laughs> well, back to the Lakers. You mentioned playing against Quinn. I mean, he'd be a great name, and I think his name has surfaced. Both being that there seems to be a lot of legitimate expectation, speculation, whatever you want to call it, that his tenure could be coming to an end in Utah. Um, that um, by, I mean, I haven't been able to get the details fully confirmed, but he he has not signed a contract extension that I believe people in Utah have attempted him or at least offered him to do so. So I think that's really the source of where this is all kind of originating from. And you, you think about the fact that, you know, Pop is clearly on his last year or two in San Antonio. 
that that would seem to be a pretty attractive opportunity if this Utah thing is going to go, you know, blow like some people are expecting it to if they do flame out again in the first round and integral, uh, you know, jazz franchise, interestingly enough. But, like, to be honest, I've heard from a lot of people who are are close to Quinn or have worked with Quinn or have known Quinn in the past. It doesn't seem like that's a, the Lakers' job is something he really would want. I, I feel like that interest in his name popping up might be coming more so from the Los Angeles side of things and that the San Antonio job would be far more attractive to him. Like, I don't know – is that a referendum on the Lakers or is that more of a, a Quinn Snyder situation? I mean, look, you know, LA real estate is through the roof right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, if he definitely wants to get good value, I mean, for me personally, I just don't know, you know, obviously I love Los Angeles and just think that job is one of the most attractive jobs in sports. But like I said, it also comes with a lot of issues, you know, San Antonio replacing pop. That's, that's no small feat either. But, you know, that squad has been kind of boo-boo for the past few years, so he can come in. And, like I said, the bar will be low there, too. The bar is going to be different in L.A. because L.A. fans, no matter what what the squad is, you know, they're, they're rolling out some of those Robert Sacre squads back in the day, and Lakers fans still, you know, thought those teams should have been playoff, you know, high-level playoff teams. So, no matter what, they're going to want to, uh, you know, put out a contender. But Quinn, he seems like more of an L.A. guy to me. He's got kind of that, you know, Patrick Bateman type of, deal you know going on like <laughs> the american psycho type of look to him so he seemed like he wanted to be in a, a major metropolitan place to get that going and especially after spending a couple of years in utah but look you know if the, if the spurs get him lakers get him it's going to be an interesting summer i just keep feeling like you know we were you know as laker fans optimistic oh trade deadline we're going to make a move and it was like oh we're going to wait for the bio market and it's like ah okay you know no no substantial moves made on that side so dj augustine point, didn't do it for you I mean, a nice pickup. He did, definitely did a solid job, but it wasn't like you heard that name and it's like, oh, championship, this is going to right the ship. So, you know, it, it is what it is. We'll kind of hold out hope, but also uh, we may, you know, may, may be in for another year like this. Now, again, if AD is healthy and it plays, you know, at least half the games he missed and they, they go 500 in that span, it's a different if ball game here. You know, these, these guys are in the playoffs, but I don't know, man. This is a... Uh, this is tough times, but we're going to ride through it and still still rock. I've been rolling with LeBron for a long time, and I ain't going to stop now. All right, we're going to take our first call here. Let's see. Zach, do we have you? Hey, Jake. Hey, just that. How's it going? Good, man. How What's are going you? on? Good. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I hate to sound like a, a crazy or, like, conspiracy fan here or whatever, but uh, one, one thing Open I was forum. I, I, I know, I'm, and I know I'm going to just by suggesting this. Um, but I was wondering, you know, with the turmoil in Indiana, like with the rebuild, Rick Carlisle, you know, coming out making that statement. He's, you know, I'm a big Mavs fan. Uh, he did not do well with the rebuild in Dallas, and I don't think he expected that in Indiana. I know the Lakers, like a couple years ago, there was a rumor that they were interested in him. Do you think there's any universe where that's at least entertained, or am I totally, you know, like off base even thinking that could work? I mean, I'll go first there. Very interesting question, being that I have not heard that. Um, so off the top of my head, like I would say I think that's unlikely. I think the Carlisle stuff 
Um, it's fa- it's a fascinating hypothetical. Though. I do I do like the. It's not too crazy. I, I like the conspiracy aspect of it being that. I think that's how a lot. That's how this stuff happens. Like how a lot of my job being a reporter to like figure out what's going to occur is kind of just connecting the dots and asking how could these dots ultimately result. Like when I first wrote that James Harden was going to potentially go to Philly this off season, like no one thought it was going to happen at the deadline. I didn't think it was going to happen at the deadline, but like it happened. As just I said, like. Crazy shit can happen any day, especially in the NBA. So it's not implausible. I just think, I mean, the Carlisle stuff, he said that and denied those rumors from my understanding being that there's been a ton of speculation he'd move into the front office pretty much ever since he got there. We talked about this um, on our last week's show with, with Michael Pina from Sports Illustrated. Like, there is talk back late last summer that Larry Bird was going to come in and he was going to kind of be like a senior advisor and Carlisle was going to be the dual head coach, president of basketball operations. And then Kevin Pritchard had uh, and, and our front office with Chad Buchanan and Ted Wu and others, you know, they had a really strong deadline where they get back Tyrese Harold Halliburton and um, they get back a bunch of picks for Karis Levert that, you know, from everyone I talked to around the league pretty much viewed that as a bit of an overpay from Cleveland side of things, but something that Cleveland really wanted to do. So a deal got done. I mean, Carlisle also, I mean, I just don't think he fits the, the total vibe of what LeBron's looking for. Um, I, I mean, he's a, by all accounts, he's a, a total hard ass and, and, and <laughs> someone who, I mean, likes to have his way on certain things. So I don't know if that, that would be a personality mesh. I mean, I don't, it's it'd be a really interesting fit personality wise, chemistry wise in that locker room. I'd love to see it personally, <laughs> but I mean, if I mean if uh, Carlisle and Rondo didn't work out in terms of being like just like a clashing of basketball minds, and LeBron sees the game the way he sees the game, he's definitely, from my understanding, like open to talking and hearing other people out. But like he wants to play, how he wants to play, and. I don't know if Carlisle coming in and organizing sets and all that type of stuff would really would really mess there. Yeah, I, I guess. And you know, last point. My one thought was, you know, Carlisle just coached for three years, probably Bron- LeBron's biggest comp in the NBA, which is Luca, and had a pretty yeah. successful offense. And as far as it seemed like Vogel just wasn't able to put the pieces together that the Lakers had that, yes, there were a lot of washed players, but one thing Carlos <laughs> always been able to – one thing – I mean, it's true. One thing Carlos has uh, been able to do is, is extract the very most out of every roster. That's why, like, you look at, like, the top three or four most efficient offenses in NBA history. It's, like, the Warriors – the KD Warriors twice in, like, the 2019 match. But we lost her, Zach. I was just curious, uh, but uh, uh, appreciate the insight. Yeah, Josiah, what are your thoughts on, on Carlisle and the Lakers watch players? So Rick Carlo, actually, I went to Pete Mills Big Man Camp way back in the day, uh, and Rick Carlo was my coach there. And uh, he, like you he said, he's a great dude, strong-willed. Like, he tried to get me to change up my shot. He shoots with, like, his fingers on the scenes. He shoots kind of a weird, funky way. And uh whole camp, he was trying to get me to change up my shot. And I definitely entertained it for a little bit. But once I got back to the mainland, I was like, nah, Chief, I'm, I'm going to keep my style the same. But definitely <laughs> a dude. 
you know, I think he had some issues with Luca, obviously, with the Mavs. Uh, if, you know, if I read those things right. So, you know, dealing with even Luca, who's a young personality, obviously, you know, we see you, Luca. He's he's a he's a strong-minded individual as well. But you're talking about, you know, with LeBron James, who Luca times of a million on in, in, in that regard, and obviously LeBron is very hesitant and, and skeptical with with every move that he makes and, and people that he deals with and bringing into a circle. So I could see that blowing up uh, rather quickly, like him and Carlisle getting into it in a practice or two, some some unpleasantries being exchanged, and, you know, we're kind of right back in the situation. But, again, not necessarily a bad option, like, when you look at what's out there. So, you know, not not one if I'm, if I'm LeBron I'm rocking with, but I definitely like Rick Carlisle as a, as a, as a person and as a coach. What do you make of the speculation that Rondo could come back as an assistant? I mean, if he if he's not head coaching, I don't know what difference is going to make. But Rondo's a dude who's smart, and you know, if coaching is the lane that he wants to get into eventually, he Seems definitely like has it. a yeah. He has a, he has a, a great role in a great place. You talk about you know a brilliant basketball mind. You know, I work with Gilbert Arenas. Like Gil, it's funny, man. Gil has been saying all the stuff that was going to happen like back in October. Like, look, you know. He, was, he hasn't been rocky with Vogel. He's like, you know, Vogel's not the right coach for this team. His lineups are janky. It's just funny, man. Gil, but Gil has, I don't think, any desire to get into coaching just because, uh, you know, he likes to say what he wants and live live how he wants to live. And I just don't think that would mesh well with uh, that NBA style. But, you know, anytime you get a former guy like a Rondo in there who, you know, had an amazing basketball career as a champion and understands what it takes to, to perform at the highest level, Definitely want to see him, especially, you know, the need for the NBA. Obviously, I know we've got a, a premium on black coaches now, but that hasn't always been the case. So definitely for me, I love seeing guys who are, you know, just in that space, getting an opportunity now to flourish on the other side as coaches and, and kind of keep that thing rolling. That's another aspect of the Carlisle to the Lakers uh, possibility that I think makes it pretty much a non-starter. Um, I, I would expect the next coach of the Lakers is – Likely a black man. I would I would think that's you know <laughs> no an overwhelming hope. possibility. Vogel has swag though. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure Vogel Vogel was going to Roscoe getting the Obama specials, so he definitely has some of that in him. But you know, I think you know Ty Lue was obviously the first choice, and I feel like there's a little bitterness and resentment. Even yeah, they won the championship and all that great stuff. But if you're LeBron and it's like you're not going to bring in this coach who you know literally helped engineer one of the greatest comebacks in NBA history and give him an opportunity over some some money issues. But that's where you kind of see the difference between the Clippers and the Lakers now. Obviously, Steve Ballmer got big pockets where I think he's the richest owner in the league. So for him, it's not, you know, making these moves and going to luxury taxes or whatever it may be. He's not really tripping on any of that because this is just kind of, you know, fun for him, you know. So we'll see how this thing pans out. Shout out Roscoe's. Whenever I'm in L.A., there's a Roscoe's in uh, Englewood that I always go to right by the airport. Yep, Manchester. Gotta get this chicken and waffles. It's it's overpriced though, man. I, I'm I'm as I've gotten older, I've become you know a fan of just frugality, and the, their price point sure. on waffles and chicken is like cheap. Like the waffles are delicious, amazing, but you know it's like forty dollars now to get a meal. It's like you know what, what gourmet <laughs> prices used to be back in the day, and I don't know, but I, I still rock with it. I've still been trying to master the waffle recipe. I feel like if I ever crack the code and figure out how to make Roscoe's waffles at home, then you know they, they're gonna be put out of business. There you go. Um, all right, we've got a question in the comments from loyal listener Answer ninety nine. He's a Blazers fan. He says, "How yeah, he's likely been kind of is a... taking shots?" He... <laughs> yes, 
so yeah, much entitlement. I mean, look at the inheritance of entitlement. It's like, yes, Los Answer Angeles. Answer 99 is a, is a man of opinion. We value, we value his opinion on the show, though. We really do. No, that's all good. I respect it. <laughs> How likely is the LeBron AD trade in your mind? I, I have... Ooh. I have uh, I have an answer, but as a as a man on the ground, what what are your thoughts on that? Because I was I was surprised when I wrote about the Lakers in like early March. Um, I remember a lot of fans were saying, "What about trading AD? What about trading AD?" I was shocked by how many Lakers fans are are open to that idea, let alone who I think kind of want it. Look, man, I think you know not something I would do. AD is a generational talent. He's run into some injury issues you hope that he can get it right i think with the struggle for lakers fans in watching ad his entire time with the team is it seems like once a game he has a fall or a spill or something and it you know every, he's he's hobbling off and it's just like you know every game you're just kind of on pins and needles like damn is it, you know is this going to be a season ending injury and even that ankle you know situation where you know he missed you know the better part of season after suffering i want to say with march February, whenever it was but uh it's a uh, it's tough, man. He's obviously had the injury bug. You hope he can get over it. Because when AD plays at the highest level, he's one of the best players in the league, of course. But is he the person that's going to be able to carry this franchise? No. And like I said, LeBron now going into year 20. Yeah, Grady averaged 30. He averaged 30 on a 11-seed team in, in the West. Like, that's not, you know, as LeBron fans, we kind of try and find the, the positive and all that good stuff. But that's not anything to be boast or be proud about. Yeah, he, he averaged 30 on a trash team. We want to see him average 30 on a team that's in, you know, championship contention. AD, again, this is a situation where you know, I feel like they try to make that move. It's going to be similar to Ben Simmons. They're not going to get a ton in return, uh, you know, are not going to get everything that they want in return, obviously. But I don't know, man. I'm, I'm still of the presence of mind that, that AD can get it back this year. He'll have ample time now. You know, you're talking about coming off a of bubble season. They're coming back right away, getting hurt in, in the playoffs last year. Then getting hurt towards the end of this season. If he has now just a good couple of months now to rest, recuperate, rejuvenate, uh, that he'll be able next season to come back and, and play at a high level and be able to play hopefully, you know, 70, 75 games. That's certainly the hope there. I mean, no one I've spoken to familiar with the team's thinking, let's say, um, has even remotely entertained that idea. Um, I mean, they gave up what they gave, right? The farm, the house, the car, the deed to the town to go get AD. Um, and I think, you know, it, they won a championship not that long ago. It's been too yucky, you know, seven seed and playoff failure altogether season since then. But there's definitely people in the league outside of the Lakers who, I mean, obviously within the Lakers, who think a healthy AD and LeBron with the right pieces around them has as good a shot as anyone because the title is not just a cakewalk where it's like, oh, only these couple teams have it. Like, it really is a bounce of a ball here and there, an injury there, a trade request after someone gets disgruntled here that can all of a sudden put the Toronto Raptors in the position to win the title in 2019, you know? So it's it's something that I think the Lakers are going to keep as their fabric as long as they can, as long as LeBron's still doing what he's doing. Um, what's going to be difficult is to trade Russ, to find those pieces around two max salaries of that size. Like, I just don't know if LeBron and AD with a bunch of minimums, depending on how they, this Russ situation solves itself, is enough at this point to truly 
get there, but I mean, people still have that optimism. I'll say that. Yeah, we'll see, man. Uh, you know, I, again, after this year, I don't think it can get any worse or lower than that. Knock on wood. I just, you know, I, I I feel like LeBron going into year 20, he should be at a point now where he can kick his feet up a little bit and not have to overexert himself. And like I said, what he did with this year was awesome and, and, and you know, stellar to see it. But also, you know, having to put up 50 points to get wins and that's the only way your team is going to win is, is a sad state. And, you know, he's partly responsible, just like the, the front office in putting this squad together and now they've got to fix it, so... Yeah. They got to get it done. That's the, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. I think about LA fans, they don't play that shit. So you better <laughs> better get it done quick or, or get, get prepared to be ruthlessly ethered into oblivion. Along those lines, this Lakers Nation asks, will any potential head coaching candidates put up with being micromanaged by Ramis and Palenka, having no say on roster construction? To be fair, I think Rob Palenka talked about this publicly yesterday. I mean, I'm the biggest proponent of saying that a lot of times what, what is said in a press conference might not necessarily be the reality. However, he kind of stressed a change in taking more accountability in the mistakes. And now Vogel's gone. And sure, he won a title there. But, like, this is going to be the guy that Polinka hires on his own or this Polinka Rambus genie bus grouping hires on their own and this is gonna be the guy. And like I think I think they're gonna probably have to be more open to other suggestions on how to shape the roster and to play that roster being that like I was definitely told forgive me if I said this already on this episode, I don't think I have. I, I was pretty clearly told that, you know, Russ coming off the bench was just not an option. Like that was not yeah. going to happen. So like Sure, would that have potentially given them a, a monkey wrench to, to play with? Maybe, but I just I think there are going to be plenty of head coaching candidates who want that job. It's still the Lakers' job with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, like we were just talking about to answer that last question. I mean, if it's not Doc Rivers, it'll be somebody else who, and there's only 30 of them in the league, and there's only two in Los Angeles, and there's only one that's the Lakers. Like, that's just how it's going to be. As much as it seems dreadful on the outside, that's still a pretty rosy life. Yeah, for sure. Look, the, the squad's going to figure it out. Like they either figure it out or they won't. That's kind of what it is, to be brutally honest. But again, you know LeBron now, who, who realizes that you know father time is catching up with him. He's only got maybe a couple more years. I know he's he's holding out to play with Bronny. Uh, that some moves are going to have to be made and decisions are going to have to be made and. You know, ultimately, he's going to have to decide if he wants to win or if he wants to get the bag and kind of keep it pushing. Ultimately, I'm a businessman, so I can see it either way, uh, you know, but I've always kind of part of me like, look, you can you can make, especially in L.A., so much other money doing other things that if you, you, you freed up a little bit of that bread to get, you know, some, some star power in there, it could definitely help out if that's the route you want to go. But also, I understand, you know, looking at even Kobe's situation, when he signed that two-year deal, I think for like 48, 49, it's like, look, I want my bread. You know, as much as I've done for this franchise, you know, I'm not, you know, doing no favors for nobody. And I understand that side of business as well, especially as you know, being on this side of it, when people try to get funny with your bread. So you got, you got to get what you need to get. But optimistically, hopefully LeBron, you know, his career will, will end on a positive note and go out in the right direction. I think ultimately as, as Lakers fans this season, all they wanted to see was the team play hard. You know, the team, it felt like a lot of times it was just lapses. 
and play a lot of, you know, it's hard to watch games this year just because of the bonehead turnovers that's coming from LeBron, Russ, everybody on the squad, just bad plays, bad passes that, you know, you can eliminate and give yourself a chance to, to win and be successful. But it was just, it became difficult to watch games, you know, knowing that, you know, fourth quarter, they may take a lead, but as soon as Brown goes out, that lead is going to evaporate or they may be up 25, whatever it may be. And that means nothing, you know what I mean? Normally they would be able to, you know, look at a team like the Warriors you know, the past few years before Steph's injuries and all that stuff. They ran a lead up on you. It was over. You know what I mean? They were, they were, they were hard pressed to be blowing leads where this squad Lakers team, they do it. It's just like, it's tough to watch because you know, it's going to happen, you know, or just the terrible third quarters they would have where they'd figure out the third or play terrible in the fourth. It was just stuff you saw all season where they could never really put it together put out a string of victories, go on a winning streak and really do anything to, to keep keep fans excitement. Kind of every game, just knowing that, you know, it's going to come down to some some crucial plays and we're going to be on the wrong side of them. But like I said, there's optimism for the future. Uh, hopefully they can get this ship right. And, you know, ultimately some tough decisions may need to be made. If, if that's trading LeBron or trading AD, not anything I would like to see happen, but the game is the game. This is business. All right, we got two questions in here in the comments too. So let's, let's, uh, let's try to hit them. Um, is Darvin Ham a real coaching option? I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely heard his name, but I also heard his name from a, the same person who told me two weeks earlier that the Lakers are probably going to hire an experienced head coach. So, I mean, is he someone they're going to look at who was a previous Lakers assistant who played? Like, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know if he's the guy, though. I'm sure he'll get an interview if, if they are going to conduct this extensive coaching search that they're saying they are. Yeah, I think Darvin Ham, you know, my dad works for the Bucks. Uh, you know, met Darvin on a few occasions. Obviously a big fan of him back in the day when he broke the backboard. I think that's kind of everybody's, <laughs> you know, you know, everybody wasn't from Texas, kind of Texas Tech's first introduction to him. But uh a good dude, I just don't think again that that's that's a big risk. And I don't I just don't know if that name's sexy enough. You know, I think in in the basketball circles he has a ton of respect and a tremendous amount of credibility. But trying to get him, you know, this is this is Los Angeles coming to Hollywood, coming to the Lakers. It's got to be a name that's going to make a splash. I just don't think his name is strong enough, but I do think he deserves a head coaching opportunity somewhere in this league. Darvin Ham also, from my understanding, considered one of the, the better hangs in the NBA. He's a less so. Every time I go to Milwaukee, we'll go to this spot to get, you know, high wings my dad loves. And every time Darvin Ham will roll through and always just cool, debonair, uh, you know, always – Always in a good mood, always smiling, but just a happy dude. And a guy that obviously he, he's paid his dues and feel like he deserves a head coaching job. Now, if the Lakers brought him in, you know, I don't think it's the worst move in the world, but, you know, I just think they need something a little, little sexier to get fans excited again. Yeah, everyone seems to like Darvin Ham. Um, last one that we definitely should have hit, and uh, to quickly answer a pros cower, if I said that correctly, um, how far do I think the Celtics will go? I mean, I definitely think, depending on Robert Williams' health, I think they've got a really good shot um, at getting out of the East. I really do. Um, Nick Nurse, I don't think he's a realistic option. He just signed a contract extension in Toronto. I'm sure he's the name the Lakers want. I and mean, the Lakers are going to want a ton of names. But that's going to require – I mean, I doubt the rappers would let him leave without yeah. trading a trade for him in return, regardless of there's been talk of interpersonal, you know, dynamics at play, let's say, between him and the front office. But, like, they're winning. He's just got a new deal. I think everything's at least working there. So 
to get him when they all start probably gonna have to use it first to offload Russ. I just don't think that's happening. Um, yeah, for sure. Josiah, any any thoughts on the Celtics before we go? Uh, look, I'm I'm not a Celtics fan by any stretch of the imagination, but love what what Ime's done with that team. Uh, I think you know they were kind of not the laughing stock of the league early on, but there were discussions should they trade Tatum and Jalen Brown would that would that thing work? And the way that crew has come together uh, and reunited around each other, you know, I think they're definitely the 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 messed up part for me is like you know you do all this stuff to, to to run up the East, you know, finish second in the conference, and now you're potentially looking at you know, a Nets series to start it off. It's just like, you know, the basketball guys can be cruel sometimes. But ultimately, I wouldn't, you know, I think the Nets may be favored in that series just because of their star power. But, I, you know, the way the way Tatum's been, been elevating his game and just it's crazy to me to see dudes his height like 6'10", just with the handle and the way they can play nowadays. I'm just so envious of them. But, yeah, that's not, that's not a squad I would discount. And, you know, kind of – Similar to the Bucks last year, that's a squad. If they make, if they can make to the finals, like yeah, they can win that thing for sure. All right, man. We're at the top of the hour. Thank you so much for uh, for popping in here. I know it's not easy to give up an hour of your time, so thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Especially for free, so you know you're important if I do it. Especially okay? for free, especially for you know, free. No bag. There's no bag. Uh, no financial considerations for this call, man. But I appreciate you having me on, and, and shout out to you, crew. You guys obviously some. Some dedicated fans and crews, and shout out to everybody who, who listened in. And you know, hopefully, you know, I'm sad the Lakers aren't in this thing, but we'll get a good playoff, see some good basketball, and you know, hopefully, you now someone else will rise to the forefront and really make this thing crack. Thank you, man. So again, Josiah Johnson, Colin in black and white, does the the Gilbert Arenas podcast on Fubo. No chill with Gilbert Arenas. Cherish the day. He does a lot of stuff with Showtime. The, le- the legend here. himself on Twitter. The legend himself on Twitter. If you're not following King Josiah 94 or 54, excuse me, uh, you're not laughing at the best memes. 30 seconds, probably less, after uh, the initial inspiration occurred on national TV. Uh, thank you again, <laughs> man. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with Sarah Todd uh, to talk Utah Jazz. And then uh, I believe sometime on Tuesday of next week, uh, we'll be doing a little crossover thing with Ethan Strauss. So thank you, everybody. Enjoy the playing tournament tonight, and uh, we'll see you Thursday. Take care.